My name is Eric Hundley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today, I'm joined by a rather elusive guest. And by elusive, I mean, there's just not a lot on him out on the internet. So to find out more, you need to listen to his show, Grumpy Old Geeks. There, he probably talks about most things about him, at least to a degree. I have Brian Schulmeister. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you? All right. Now, I wanted to get you on. And honestly, I had looked you up before, didn't find mm-hmm. you on many episodes of any kind. I was like, well, maybe he really doesn't like guesting on on podcasts or wanted to keep a low profile. <laughs> um, I don't mind it. Uh, I've never just really been asked that often. Uh, and I tend to let Jason kind of take the lead on these sorts of things. And Jason loves being on. Lo- Jason loves talking to about himself much more than I do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he leaps in and, and if, uh, you know, if anybody asks me, I'll do it. I, I did. We guested together and I guested solo on, on a couple of podcasts a couple of years back. But, you know, as, as we were talking about just a little bit before the show, show it's, it's a common belief that everything on the internet is there forever. That's not true. Um, most of the podcasts that I had guested on have gone away and, they don't exist anymore. I mean, sure, you can track them down somewhere, but they're not coming up in search results or anything like that anymore. You know, it, we're, we, the past goes into the dark web. Well, unless you're trying out for Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Well, or politics. <laughs> then, then it seems to come up. <laughs> yes, yes. Anytime you might want a meaningful job out in the public eye, then everything will be discovered. No, I, I don't even think that's necessary. I mean, sure. Yeah, okay. You've got uh, people going back to like high school yearbooks, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it's it's people just being dumb and, and not deleting their Twitter. Well, yeah, there is that. And, and you are on Twitter. <laughs> I am. It's it's my least favorite of of, of uh, horrible options. I don't like any social media per se, which is maybe why you have a hard time finding me on the Internet. Uh, I keep I, my Twitter is open because I am doing a podcast and I've been yelled at that I have to have something public out there. <laughs> um, but my Instagram and my Facebook are private. I, I keep little walled gardens for my family and friends and people I actually know IRL, as they say. Um, I, I've just never been, I guess because I grew up with the, not grew up, I grew up without an internet because I'm old. Um, but I, I was so involved with it at the very beginning and it was, um, it was so much fun and it's something that we talk about a lot on our show. We, we tend to cast back our minds to the glory days of the internet when none of this stuff was there. And I just, I, I hate what social media is doing to people. I have to and, correct you, dude, because I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm equally as older, older. And okay. I remember AOL. <laughs> Okay, well, that was not pretty. Duh. No, that wasn't pretty, but that's what we've decided to somehow recreate. I mean, With Twitter Facebook, is an sure. AOL chat room, you know? <laughs> I, I agree. ASL, what's up? <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, it's like Facebook. It, it was funny because with AOL, that was the internet for most people. And mm-hmm. you had a it little was. window looking outside of it, and that was the rest of the internet. Now... You're outside on the internet trying to dive into Facebook. Yes. Yes. That's very true. Yeah. And that's when I got started, uh, we were building packages for AOL because the web was like, eh, nobody's going to pay us to do anything for that. So I was working for a company that was, uh, that was promoting movies and things like that. And they built AOL packages, little audio clips and posters and images and no video because that was, that was crazy talk. Who has the bandwidth for that? Um, so I, I, yeah, I remember those days. Uh, and just when the internet first came out, it was a lot of fun and, and we were really kind of learning as we went along. And 
And I, yeah, I guess I just, I'm just not out there publicly anymore because I don't really like social media that much. I don't like the vibe. I don't like, I don't like how people react. I don't like, it's just icky. It's, it's not fun and it's not fun and addictive, which is not a good combination. Ask anybody that, uh, you know, is in in AA. (laughs) Well, it's also very interesting that all of the higher level executives in social media don't let their children on it. Oh yeah. Beyond telling, like I would never let my kids do this. Yeah. And I'm becoming more and more of a, of a social media recluse because I have a kid now and I can, Mm -hmm. you know, I see my wife and I just kind of sitting on the couch and looking at our phones rather than engaging with our kid. And it's like, Oh boy, Nope, we got to stop this. And we got to make sure he doesn't get into it. And I've seen, I've seen the, the, the kind of like madness in my son's eye when he, when he has access to his iPad to watch Mm. something like you can, there's a change that comes over people when they have this stuff and it's, it's frightening. And, you know, I never thought that that would be the direct direction we went with, with our podcast when we started grumpy old geeks six plus years ago or whatever, uh, you know, we were pretty high on technology. We were into it and we thought it was all good. And we just, we had some questions <laughs> like, right. how are these companies making money? Um, what's happening here? And the more and more we do it, the more and more angry we get <laughs> and the more and more dismayed we get by, by the choices that we have made as a society. Well, I don't think we've really made the choices as a society. I don't think that we have the choice. Uh, the choices are being made for us by these people in charge of these companies and and um, beholden to shareholder value. That's true. And you and myself and Jason are all Gen Xers. And we mm-hmm. kind of grew yeah. up in that weird time where I remember rotary dial on the phone, record oh, yeah. players, and 8-tracks, and cassette. <laughs> so, I mean, there was like this span of technology that we lived through. Yeah. And I yeah, do remember which, pre-internet and early and actual. You know, it was a lot of fun back then. The technology in its infancies, when when you got manuals, for Christ's sake, you don't get manuals anymore. And you were able to, you know, you you were able to to tinker with your stuff and customize it. And so that that aspect of it was great. But then there's another aspect of it, which I think again has led to the whole grumpy old geeks outlook on life that that we have is, you know, I I bought I I bought the vinyl. Mm-hmm. And then I had to buy the cassette and then I had to go buy the damn CD, you know, <laughs> and, and Jason true. has his version of that with movies because he's a movie buff, but I was a music guy. And I realized how burned I was by these corporations as they just kept shoving these things repackaged at me. And, you know, and now, of course, I'm just supposed to throw it all away and just pay a monthly fee to stream stuff. So they've gotten money for me five to six times for some of my favorite albums. So you were on the side cheering Napster on a little bit. Uh, no, because I also realized that that was completely illegal, but I, I realized that there was a better way that digital music was definitely a way to go. I think, I think the record labels really screwed the pooch by pushing, pushing back against Apple when they wanted to launch their, their first iTunes store. You know, it took a long time for them to come around to that. And if they just would have gotten on board right away, who knows where we'd be. But uh, we, we instead we decided, eh, we're not going to do that, and and we're going to piss off our customer base. And uh, the kids are figuring out just exactly how easy it is to distribute digital copies of music. And you have to remember, uh, everybody thinks back to that time, and and they think that Napster was was the real problem. Oh, it no. wasn't. No. It wasn't Napster. Very few people were using Napster in comparison to the amount of people that were burning their own CDs and sure. passing them around. That's where the majority of music piracy was occurring, not on Napster. So take that, Laura Zolrick. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, Lars Ulrich and um, <laughs> something about people living in Detroit. They just refuse to go digital. Bob Seger, Kid Rock, everybody yeah. in Detroit. I don't yeah, know if you ever noticed There's that. a lot of that. I, I never noticed that before. Isn't Detroit is also where they used to burn a lot of vinyl when they didn't. They burnt all the disco stuff. That was a Detroit radio station stunt, wasn't it? In the uh, late 70s, I believe. Um, yeah, that might have been. A lot of weird stuff going on with music in Detroit, I guess. Crazy times. I love talking about music with you because I'm going to guess we're not that far different. I had um, Bauhaus, Bella Lugosi's Dead, on 12-inch vinyl that I damn near wore out. <laughs> I uh, I just purchased tickets to their shows at the Hollywood Palladium in November. Yes, I hate you. I'm quite happy about that. Uh, <laughs> Bauhaus was a little bit before my time. They, they had definitely they had split split up, so I was uh, well, I never here. gotten the chance yeah, to see them or anything. But I was thrilled when they did their first... Uh, reunion tours and and yes there was i was massively into them there were there were two bands that showed that you were hardcore uh in in my day and age and one was bauhaus and the other was skinny puppy and if you had a bauhaus t-shirt or a skinny puppy t-shirt you were for real you weren't one of those posers <laughs> and likely to get your ass kicked um <laughs> depending not, on where you were not not here <laughs> not in southern <laughs> california it was, it was pretty cool you know i mean a lot of people were more into you know the early no doubt stuff and ska and all that so you know Putting on a black trench coat in 90 degree weather in the summer, not that big of a deal, but uh, or not that uh, people didn't really want to do that much here. But there was a there big contingent of us here and and everybody was pretty cool in Orange County back in the day, you know, and a lot of I, I miss subgenres of music and or even just genres because uh, that all seems to be gone. But, man, it was it was a fun time to grow up here because you had you know your goths and your death rockers and your and your punks and your scars and like everybody was into what they were into and, and kind of left each other alone. Do your thing, you know. The skinheads laughed at our hair. <laughs> you didn't have at, um, uh, social media. You had hangout points and fans. No, yeah, none of that was there. None of that. It was fanzines and and friends, you know, telling you about other bands and and bands were mysterious too. Um, you had to work really hard to learn about bands. At best, you had 120 minutes on MTV where, you know, Andrew Eldridge from the Sisters of Mercy would stumble his way drunk drunkenly through an interview and not really tell you anything about who he is. That's all we knew about the Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> Which I'd argue is better, <laughs> especially because you actually have established relationships with different bands or band members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I ended up making a 20 plus year career working in the music industry from the technology perspective, um, right place, right time, as it were. So I just started working with websites when that's all that there was. And and uh, just kept working with a bunch of different bands until I ended up working with some of the biggest bands in the world and, you know, took them to MySpace and then took them to Twitter and took them to Facebook and took them through all those different things. Um, you know, it was, it was a good long run and I got to work with a lot of great people and I got to work with a lot of great bands. And um, it being the music industry, I also got to work with a lot of awful people. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I have a crazy question about that, too, because mm -hmm. you had brought up how I think almost every band you worked with or mm -hmm. musician, you weren't really into their music. No, no, I wasn't because I like bands that fail miserably. Okay, um, well, there's it was, that. Uh, it was always kind of an understanding that if I liked your band, good luck to you. You're a, you're not going to get a deal or you're going to get dropped pretty quick. I was um, thinking that would help you professionally, though. And let me explain. Mm -hmm. I, for example, am not a country fan. Right. And if I walked up to a giant country star, I probably wouldn't recognize them or I wouldn't even be sure. So I'd right. probably treat them just like I would anybody else. I respect you. You play guitar. Oh, you got talent. Great. Mm -hmm. Not really into your thing, but, you know, let's work together and I'll do everything I can 
to help you. Is that right. kind of how it worked with you? And they might appreciate just sort of that it, straightforwardness. It was definitely helpful um, because there was no worry that I, we were fans <laughs> and there was no worry that we were here for anything else other than to do our job. Um, we weren't trying to get in with anyone. We weren't trying to um, become besties with anybody. We just wanted to do our work and, and get it done. Um, and I definitely, you know, we had, I was, I was younger. My partner was younger at the time. We had rock and roll looks. We were often told by managers that we looked more rock and roll than the bands we were working for. <laughs> Um, so there was an element of coolness that I guess we brought to the table too, which is very helpful because the music industry is, is, you know, it's, it's image. It's yeah, it's all image. It's all image. So, um, it, it was extremely helpful. I I worked twice for bands that I actually really personally like. I worked with love and rockets and I worked with that. Yeah. So, and what was the other um, one? I'm sorry. Nitzareb. Oh, and yeah, um, no one, you know, I saw that on your site and I was like, holy (laughs) shit. Yeah. Yeah, so I did the work with them when they did their first reunion thing too, um, and and that was great. I, I liked working with both the bands, but it was definitely it wasn't as easy because I liked the bands. Mm-hmm. I got to know them, nice guys, but then when you meet somebody that you've been listening to their music for twenty years, thirty years, you have your own impressions of what, what they're supposed to be like, and they're never going to be that because they're just people. And the other problem with it, of course, is I just um I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I'm able to kind of step that back if I'm working with just a band that I could basically treat as like, it's gotcha. just a shoe. It's just a product. It's their choice. Paid, they're the boss. I got paid. Yeah. It's their choice. They're the boss. Also, they're, o- they're only paying me this much. So I'm only going to do this much work. When it was a band that I really liked, I would go above and beyond and work way, way too hard for what I was getting paid for just because I like the band. I want them to succeed. I want it to do well. So that was never a good combination. It was always good that I basically worked with bands that I didn't, yeah, there could have been anyone, really. Yeah, I, I thought about that. And it was just, you know, it was something mm-hmm. that popped in my head that you would establish a better professional relationship mm-hmm. if you yeah, just weren't that into them. You could yeah. probably get earn a lot more trust, too, ironically. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think that's one of the reasons that we were very successful for so long is we were given so much access. Um, a lot of people weren't like we were always welcomed backstage. We were welcomed on the tour bus. We were welcomed pulling out our cameras because they, they trusted that we would you know, only use things that they would think that is acceptable and okay. And we would only record things when it's acceptable and okay. We weren't trying to catch people doing things and we weren't going to do anything malicious with whatever we got. Um, there was definitely a level of trust and, and safety that we brought to the table. Plus I noticed you're not really a big name dropper. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm always uncomfortable actually, even when I did Chris Lockhead show and now talking about it now, I'm, I, I, I always sure. have a little twinge of uncomfort about it, even though, you know, some of these bands I haven't spoken to or worked with for years and years and years. Um, I'm still, and I'm not even really in the music industry anymore. I just, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to go talk. I'm not going to write a tell all book. Um, the first podcast that we did when we decided to start doing grumpy old geeks, but you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't really know what we were doing. Some say we still don't we <laughs> certainly say we didn't until at least episode 100, but we recorded three to four test shows, but we didn't think would be test shows. We just thought, okay, there's going to be episode one. And I went back and listened to it. And I, I was like, nope, nope, nope. Can't do that because I, I talked way too much about my clients and I was very, very uncomfortable with it. So, mm. um, yeah, it's just something I don't mind discussing specifics if there's a point, but I'm not, I'm not going to oh, sure. drop. I don't, I don't come onto episodes and go, and I worked with blah, 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 blah. You know, if you want to 
ask me a question about it, fine, that's cool. And, you know, it does end up coming up occasionally on, on our own podcast, but generally because the particular artist is in the news or something like that. When I notice that Jason doesn't as well, like he's, he knows Tim <laughs> Ferriss really well and he might bring it up for a point. Like Tim wrote this article and drives me crazy. <laughs> not as a name he, dropper. He's like, not oh, egregious, but uh, Jason is, yeah, he's a, <laughs> you say he doesn't name drop. And I think every single time that anybody is mentioned in a news story, Jason will go, Hey, I used to party with him back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's casual now. Okay. Well, we're going to go early days. What's up to speed podcast. Um, when we were trying to figure out what to do uh, I, at that point in time, I could see the the writing on the wall for the music industry. Uh, I knew that that budgets and things of that nature were going away. I knew that services like Squarespace and all that stuff was going to be all artists needed in the future. Uh, so there wasn't going to be any budgets for for what I was doing. And I uh, I knew I needed something new to do. And I think Jason felt the same way with the music industry or movie industry and what he was doing. Uh, and our podcast was doing OK, but not great. Um, we were just doing one a week and it was, it was steadily. A yeah. And so, well, up to speed is it became a let's do a daily quick 10 to 15 minute uh, news story podcast. And uh, it seemed like a great idea at the time until we realized exactly how much work it was and uh, and how much time was involved in just doing a 10 to 15 minute top five stories of the day, everyday podcast. So uh, we eventually had to can it because it was just, OK, it's doing well, but we're not we weren't even I don't think we even had ads back then. We didn't even have an ad seller yet. So it was all just kind of sweat equity. And it was like, mm. OK, you know, maybe if we start to make like 10 grand a month, we can do a daily podcast. But uh, until then, forget that. So we stopped doing it. when you live in L.A. Yes. Um, yeah, well, that doesn't help. Speaking of which, I have mm. wondered how in the world did you meet Jason? You guys seem to be very <laughs> different but very compatible. <laughs> uh, second job I ever worked at out of school. Uh, my first job was at a company called Hollywood Online, which, as I said, did kind of the AOL packages and all that sort of stuff, and then slowly moved into doing uh, movie and music websites, mm. sort of. Um, but then I moved to a different company called Boxtop, and Jason was kind of top dog engineer over there already and very surly and cranky. We actually <laughs> only worked together for a very, very brief period. I think may, under definitely under a year because uh, then he left Boxtop and I stuck around for a little bit longer. Then I ended up going to London. But uh, we also, you know, it's it's the music thing. It's, it's you know, Jason and I had a lot of music taste in common and so did a whole bunch of people that worked at that office at that particular time. And there was Gotham Electro and Industrial Nights uh, clubs around the area and we would all mm. just go together. So Jason and I became good, good friends that way. Um, lost contact for years and years and years. And then he ended up, he's moved a lot. I don't know if you've heard that on the podcast he moved hundred back and times forth between, in like x years <laughs> uh, in the time of our podcast he's moved back and forth between chicago and la i think six times so almost once a year something ridiculous like that uh so he was always bouncing around and he ended up coming back into la at some point maybe seven or eight years ago and we reconnected and got together like once a month or so over a couple beers and just kind of bitched about tech and went hmm this would make a good podcast ah okay so it just happened organically Totally. Mm -hmm. And we said, okay, we're going to do 10 episodes. And if not, we're not making any money by the end of 10 episodes, we're going to can it. And here we are, 300 and some odd episodes, and still not really making any money. <laughs> well, uh, you, you'll notice there's no commercials on this show. <laughs> so, don't feel too bad. I've kept yeah. a day job. <laughs> I, I was also wondering, I know Jason has talked about London, and then you had mentioned London, and I didn't know if you mm -hmm. guys had known each other 
over there or not. Or- um, uh, I'm not sure if Jason, did Jason actually live in London? We didn't know each other there. Uh, we weren't there at the same time. If Jason actually, I lived there for two years, 97 to 98. And when I came back, I started my own company. Um, okay. It's a big city for both of us. We both love it, but I, I don't think we've ever actually been there together at the same time. So let's talk about the company. You had mm-hmm. said with Chris that you shuttered it. Um, yeah. So what, you just stopped taking work? What, what are you doing? Freelancing? <laughs> um, chilling? Um, uh, a little bit of both. Um, I'm doing some freelancing stuff. Yeah, we just, uh, the focus was on the music industry. I had I had a partner. Uh, she moved to upstate New York, and she's doing something completely different now. So we just... Uh, Is that Wendy kind of Marvel? Moved. Yes, Wendy Marvel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just kind of decided, okay, well, we, we did our run. Um, you know, if anybody approaches us and wants us to do something, we're open to that. But I'm not going to try to get uh, any more new clients actively. And uh, we let go the last couple clients that we actually had um, just because again, there wasn't, it wasn't very exciting anymore. There wasn't anything interesting to do. Nobody wanted to take chances on anything. Everything was very okay. Let's just do our, our daily update on social media and let's be really boring and not spend any money or do anything innovative with our website. And let's just, that's that. So it's just started to get a, to be a drag i think anything gets to be a drag if you've done sure. it for 20 plus years too so that didn't help so it was just kind of like all right let's call it a day um so now i just do some freelancing stuff i do some work on some other podcasts i, I help some I'm, i've helped a couple people get their podcasts off the ground i know jason is big on that as well he's working on his own podcasting school we've done a couple things together um i've also you know i've got a kid and i ended up spending more time at home and just kind of doing part-time daddy daycare, part-time tech guy, part-time podcast guy. And so far, so good. So you're the one available. You mm-hmm. handle the appointments. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And I can understand it. It's one of those that when your passion becomes your day job, sometimes starts to suck. Yeah, yeah. And it started to suck a long time before I decided to can it and put it away. And I, I, I used to make the joke, like within 10, 10 years of, of working within the music industry, I hate music mm. <laughs> and I hate musicians and I hate concerts. And it's actually only relatively recently that I've started to feel uh, a bit better about it again, which is, again, music was my life as, as a right. kid. And it's why I wanted to get into the industry in the first place. But then you just see so much horrible stuff and you just get so burnt out on it. Yeah, uh, you started you start to hate it. And, and I definitely did. I, I was not listening to any music. Thank God podcasts came around because uh, I just couldn't, I, I didn't care about finding new bands. I didn't care about going to see the bands that I loved live anymore. And um, it was just total burnout. And that's starting to finally go away. I'm starting to really enjoy music again. Well, maybe because you're out of it and you don't have to see the sausage being made. Exactly. I think that's a hundred percent it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder, you had mentioned not listening have you seen the movie? It's a documentary, Corporate Radio? No, I have not. I can't help but think there's some parallels. Because in the late 90s mm-hmm. is when they changed the laws. And essentially, you could have one group buy every radio station in town, say Clear Channel. It was now right. iHeartRadio or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right about that same time, they started to lay off the DJs. They started yep. to have corporate playlists that were national. Mm-hmm. And... If you look at it now, I know you weren't into popular music per se, but I do think it rolls downhill. Mm-hmm. The same artists of like early oddies are still there. Right. It's like music froze. 
Yeah, and satellite radio was supposed to save all that, right? That was that was the put pitch that they gave us, but they're just exactly the same now. Oh, right, and I think partly because the internet kicked its ass. I mean, it, yeah. satellite radio was kind of like a track. Just great technology, or no, actually, A-Track sucked in every way. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was about to say great technology. I think it was yeah, outdated it, the minute on. they rolled out the door. Yeah, okay, it sucked in every way. Yeah, I won't say that satellite sucked in every way, but it was a matter of, <laughs> wait a minute, you've got to pay, you know, a couple billion dollars to put a satellite in the air, or you just have these wires that are already here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So as the um, bandwidth went up, I think satellite was doomed. Yeah, yeah. The only, I mean, the only reason it still exists is they give it away for free for six months if you buy a car. And harass the shit out of you. Yep. And they'll <laughs> drop their prices when you want to renew if you just hold off a month or two. Pro tip. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I found that out. Yeah. I got their main package, I think, for like $20 instead of 100 and something. <laughs> yeah, I finally totally gave up on satellite radio because everything is just playlisted. Even the stations that I, I you know, they've got like a, the, the 80s, the first the first wave, which is like right up my alley, right? It's all the alternative stuff. Sure. It basically sounds like uh, there's the really influential radio station here in L.A. called K-Rock mm-hmm. that, you know, kicked off all that stuff, started all those bands, made them huge, Depeche Mode, all that. K-Rock right. did all of that. And the station, when I first got satellite radio, sounded like old K-Rock. They played deep cuts. They played non-singles. They played random bands you haven't heard of forever. And now it's basically, okay, Duran Duran's biggest hit, The Pretender's biggest hit, Billy Idol, Billy Idol, Billy Idol. Mm. Maybe the big song. You know, it's all playlisted, all the hits, all the songs you've heard a gazillion times. So I'm like, what's the damn point? And then I even more conveniently found out that there's HD radio now for broad, for normal radio broadcast. And K-Rock has K-Rock HD2, which basically just plays their 80s stuff. And it's phenomenal. So I'm like, why am I paying for satellite radio? I don't like Howard Stern anymore. Don't care. Uh, the sports stuff, neither here nor there. I don't really listen to sports in a car. I'll go home and watch it or go to a bar and watch a game. No point in having satellite radio. I can see that. I never listen to it because I listen to podcasts all the time. Right. When I'm researching people. Right. So now um, on Grumpy Old Geeks, mm-hmm. you do the artwork? Yeah. I mean... In in such as that, it's actually artwork. It's mostly, you know, finding funny images and memes. But uh, yes, I like it. I think it's very cool. And <laughs> oh, thank you. You keep it thematically well put together. So yeah. How do you guys work as a as a team? Um, well, we, we don't talk much. I think that's a key. Uh, we definitely talk a lot less since we've been doing the podcast in, in real life than we used to because it keeps it really fresh on the air. Um, gives us something to talk about. Gives us a reason to talk. Um. We use a program called Quip, uh, not a pro, I guess it's a site called Quip, but they have an app, but it's horrible. And it's basically just a, a document share. Um, and we have, you know, we set up a document for every episode and we put in links throughout the week or, you know, we do two shows a week now. So just randomly whenever. And uh, we just put in the things that we like to talk about in there and we do a couple of bullet points if it's our article or, you know, Jason will do bullet points if it's his article. Uh, if we have anything particularly funny or snarky to say, we might drop a note in there saying just heads up. I, I'm going to, you know, crap on your point here. Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that on our show, so it's a lot of fun. Um, so, oh, really? You know, when, then, when are you watching Star Trek Discovery again? Yeah, never. <laughs> Just because Jason <laughs> is angry at me for not watching it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll have that and we'll basically lock the document uh, the night before we're going to record. And we usually record on Tuesday morning or Friday morning, depending on the shows. And uh, then we will... Uh, basically just hop on we use we use zencaster to record our shows right now but i'll 
sit in my my little studio here and Jason will go to his big studio and and uh we just hop on and start talking. The fact is from what you're describing your relationship mm-hmm. is literally on the show then. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, we don't really um I mean, I talk, I'm not a big talker if you ask my wife, which is a weird thing for somebody who is now making a living as a podcaster. Um, I'm not a big talker and Jason lives pretty far away um, in LA time. You know, if if this were any other city in the world, it would take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for us to to meet up with each other. Oh, given an the hour actual physical two, difference, but it's an hour to two because it's Los Angeles. Uh, Jason also doesn't like to leave the house because of his dogs or mm. people or many things. That's one of the things I'm always ragging on Jason about is like, you know, he might as well just, he might as well just never leave the house and he's getting really close. So it's, it's hard to get him out of the house. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, I've got my kid, he's in school, but I still, you know, have hours that it's just getting all the way out to Jason's house and coming back. It doesn't really work. Um, so there's that aspect of it. And then, you know, there's also just, it. there's, I talk to him more than I talk to most other people. Uh, Because, you know, it takes we have somewhere between 50 minutes to an hour and 20 minute shows twice a week. And that's after editing and all that. We talk a good four hours a week, two hours per show. Um, And we talk about all our personal crap on the show because people seem to like it. So that's my hangout time with with Jason. And that's more hangout time than anybody else in my life besides my wife or kid gets. Which is actually cool. And I wanted to bring it up because you can mm-hmm. feel the relationship is sincere. Yeah, it's like your yeah, it guard is, is down. We, and... we actively don't really like each other very much. Oh, no. come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. we have, we have, we have, you know, for, for guys that are geeky and, and well, I mean, I was into sports in high school. I don't think J- Jason was more of a skateboarder and stuff like that. Right. But for, for the kind of guys that we are, we have a very standard American bro relationship with each other in that we like each other. And that is best served by making fun of each other. Oh, sure. Yeah. And actually I feel like you have to have a, a, a good relationship or special personality to get along. With yeah. Jason, I, especially <laughs> Jason is a, I don't want to say prickly. acquired taste. I guess one would say I I like Jason a lot, but I like curmudgeons. I I like Jason a lot too, but I can get why some people don't. And, and he actively plays up to that. He, he knows he's being a complete asshole sometimes (laughs) and he knows he's saying the wrong thing. And he, he, he's well aware and capable of doing the more polite thing to make more people like him. He just personally chooses not to. It's why every time he brings up HR as this complete and utter horrible environment that never should exist. And the worst people in the world. I'm <laughs> in the back of my mind. I'm thinking I've, I've never had a problem with HR ever. I, not once. I I've always found them to be lovely people that eventually give me a raise. I don't see what the problem is here. <laughs> I barely even see HR except when I work on their computers, but that is a, that is that that's Jason's shtick, you know? And, and the great thing about Jason is he's not putting anything on, uh, on the show and neither am I like we're both exactly the people that you're hearing for the most part. Um, and that it does take a very special personality to, to get on with Jason and and it's a, it's one that's evolved over time. I I know that um you know back in the first couple of years that we were doing shows, we really pissed each other off often. Oh really? Uh oh yeah yeah yeah. Because now now we're used to it. And now you know it's just become a thing where we just kind of crap on each other. But we had real fights. Uh, hmm. I know I used to like he wouldn't talk to me for two or three days because of something I said about him or stuff like that. It was it was quite amusing. But you know it, it's you you couldn't. 
it's all about the reps, right? And that's the same with, with being decent at podcasting or um, having a good rapport with someone. It's reps. And Jason and I have the reps in now and we know where the lines are and we know how to tow them uh, with each other and we know how far we can go with things. And it's, it makes for a much better, well, I don't know if it makes for a much better show, but it certainly makes for a better, much better relationship between the two of us. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of um, Penn and Teller. I don't know if you've ever read much about them or if I could uh, do the podcast and not talk and Jason can be Penn. That would be <laughs> awesome. Well, there is that, <laughs> but um, no Penn and Teller uh, Penn, I think was talking about it one time, but mm-hmm. they're not friends. Yeah. They have completely different lives mm-hmm. and they show up and they work together and then they go yeah. home doing their own complete things. Yeah. And every successful band that I know does the same thing. Uh, the oh, bands well, that were friends and got along, they break up. I guess that's kind of like being married and or worse, because worse. usually you're separated from your wife, at least for the day job. Yeah. But in a band, you're there every day, yeah. all day on tour in mm-hmm. highly stressful or even worse, boring circumstances. Mostly boring. Yeah. And then you poke at each other. And that's uh, most again, like I said, most bands that I know when I when I would go out on tour with them, the ones that are still together, they kept to themselves when they weren't on stage, when they're on the bus, you know, read a book, maybe watch a movie or something together out in the main room. But they're not and certainly once the tour was over, <laughs> no hanging out, none go off different lives. And then when they see each other, it's like they missed each other. Yeah, or not, because it's just a business relationship in a lot of cases. Okay, well, I mean that that kind of totally makes sense because mm-hmm. that's the only way to do it. I don't, you know, I don't believe anybody that like I don't believe any of these bands uh, that are long lasting and still doing really well. And I have they do they do not go on vacations together. There's no way. <laughs> Most of them are probably the super successful ones are probably taking separate buses at this point. Oh yeah. That's probably helpful too, and and probably mm-hmm. keeps yeah, them. you need your time away, and it, it also it keeps things fresh when you're with these people. It's this whole idea that your work and your life and everything needs to be intertwined, and even even in marriages, you need downtime and you need away time, and that's what makes you appreciate the other person. If Jason and I hung out more than the four hours we spend talking every week, I don't think our show would be anywhere near as good. Yeah, probably. You guys would be arguing about <laughs> elements or, or Star Trek Discovery or <laughs> I mean, not watching anything that Jason tells me to watch. Yeah. <laughs> oh. so my point with that is like this always upsets me with him because he gets mad at me because I, I don't watch it. And I was I was like, well, there are two people on our show. <laughs> Why do I need to? You can review that and I will watch something else. <laughs> <laughs> I just and then funny. we have double the content, but that doesn't, that point never seems to get through. I actually like that. It doesn't <laughs> because it adds drama. <laughs> no offense, but drama is interesting. Yes, I know. I know. And we we're, we're good at, again, like I said, I think we're good at walking that line right now. We we're able to get that drama and we're able to kind of um, poke each other, but and poke the bear, poke the bear, poke the bear, but don't go too far. Which is fantastic. You guys really do have good chemistry. Oh, thank you. So now what is coming up for Ryan? <laughs> um, I don't really know right now. Um, Jason has a couple ideas that we're not at liberty to discuss yet, um, but we will continue doing our show for the foreseeable future. Uh, it's been going well, and we've been getting a little uptick in, in people listening and certainly um, people actually being nice and donating, which is amazing. It's, it's a wonderful business model, uh, this podcasting thing we've all gotten ourselves involved in, right? We do content and don't charge anyone for it, and that's <laughs> that. And pray. <laughs> and pray that uh, somebody will give you a couple bucks for what you're doing. 
So great business model. Uh, lovely. Uh, we have a couple ideas of, of things that we would like to do to kind of grow a bit more in the podcasting realm. Um, you know, other than that, personally, I, I've been uh, I'm getting a bit of a new lease on life in that my son is going to school. Uh, so I have a bit more free time now. So I'm trying to kind of figure out what I really want to kind of do next. I've, I've, I think I talked about on the show that I'd taken a couple classes, like I'd taken uh, uh, ethics and technology class, which of course just fueled the fire for the show for a while because <laughs> there, there is no ethics and technology. And that's all I was screaming about for a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm just really, I'm reading a lot more right now. I'm just trying to kind of Right. I, everything right now is, is what the hell is going on with technology and where we're going. And so I'm trying to kind of get a more rounded look at all that right now. So whatever, whatever I end up doing next, that's, that's a little bit unsure. I, I don't really know yet. Um, we shall see <laughs> if you, if you were, if I was doing the show with you uh, like two and a half months from now, I'll, I might have some information for you. So ah, it's a bit early. So yeah. Well, are you still in love with technology? Um, <laughs> You know, that's that's a worry uh, of mine right now in much the same way that I fell out of love with music working in it for 20 plus years. Um, like I said, when we first started doing Grumpy Old Geeks, I think we were pretty, pretty happy and, and hyped up on tech. And we were both still kind of really working in the industry and and, um, you know, all this cool new stuff was coming. And, you know, we didn't even have smart speakers yet or anything like that, all of which I think is really neat. But doing the podcast and doing the research and knowing the reality of these companies and, and the reality of our free internet, which basically just means we no longer have any privacy and all our data belong to them, is becoming problematic for me. It's making me hate technology. Um, yeah, I don't like Uber. I don't like Lyft. I don't like WeWork. I don't like Twitter. I don't like Facebook. I don't, there's so many things I don't like about technology that is starting to vastly outnumber the things that I used to like. Cause I don't see, I don't see the technology has so much potential, but the people that are deploying it are deplorable. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I don't know. Steve jobs had talked about how a company gets started with a visionary founder and then mm -hmm. the accountants and engineers move in. I think that was the old school model. I, the visionary founders I see now are Zuckerberg or Kalanick, and they're not good people, and their visions were not good ones. That's true, but the people they bring in are worse. Are they? I think yeah. The Rock comes from the top down, and they're the ones bringing them in, so they're still making that decision. I guess I'm, aren't they? I'm talking about like, the investors. I, I don't think... Right. Well, the, the investors is us, right? That's like my whole line about AI. AI is us. Well, investors no, are us. You're the product. Well, I am the investor. <laughs> it's kind of confusing that way, right? Like I'm both the product and I'm investing in the companies. Well, some of them anyways. Well, with Facebook, I think you're, well, pretty much are the product. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Unless you do have stock. Good on you. <laughs> I don't think it's that different for, for many of the big big companies out there right now. I think Facebook just has the worst PR department. I, I don't think Amazon's any better. I don't think Twitter's oh, any no. better. I don't, you know, so. Well, actually I've changed my mind. Well, I haven't changed it completely. I used to think Google was Skynet. Now I think it could be Amazon. I'm really having trouble deciding between the two. Yeah, it's tough for me too. Cause you think about, okay, Google's got all your search data and they're reading your emails because everybody uses Gmail. So they're getting all that information that way. But Amazon Amazon knows everything that you want. Everything. And AWS. <laughs> they know every company. Like mm -hmm. with Ring, they look at the Ring data going through their servers and they go, hmm, buy them. Yeah. Yep. That's it. They they can see everything. And it's an interesting 
it's just, it's again, it goes back to what we initially thought the internet was supposed to be. And when it got started, it was supposed to be a distributed network. And now there's all these gatekeepers and everything goes through one or two things. If Amazon web services decides to shut you down, you go away from the internet. If Cloudflare says they aren't going to host you anymore, you go away from the internet. That was not the idea. True. Uh, it absolutely wasn't the idea because it was built off of ARPANET, mm-hmm. which but is all is about continued communication in case of mm-hmm. a nuclear attack. Now, five to six entities, if they decide they don't want you, they can wipe you from the face of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> not scary <laughs> at all. No, it, it's ridiculous that that's the way it is, but it is the way it is. And, you know, the, I, I, I don't think you can shove that back in the box. No, and I'm not sure how to deal with it. And I was thinking earlier when you were talking about um, your waning days with the bands mm-hmm. and how they didn't want to do anything, uh, take any chances, I think you said. Yeah, or any, they didn't want to do anything innovative. They just, you know. Some of that could be the environment because if you mm-hmm. put the wrong thing out there on social, uh, it could really, really backfire on them. And I, w- I wanted to ask, is that part of it? Was it some paralysis due to fear of social justice Outrage. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, maybe a little bit, probably not so much. I mean, I was always very aware and told clients, you know what? Message boards, bad idea. Not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Personal Twitter account for you. No, 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 no. Everything goes through me. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I did a good job. I was aware of this environment before it really even became a thing. I, I was aware of the dangers of it for people in the public eye. And I did a very good job at the, as much as I could. Uh, for the people that I worked with to ensure that they did not get themselves in trouble. <laughs> so nobody gave you Donald Trump's phone. Uh, well, I, I would have taken that. <laughs> Job number one, had I been social media director for the White House, would have been, give me that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's teams of people who are going, what if it got lost? it'd be an improvement if it got lost (laughs) can't be worse if we could put a cage around it oh oh, i'm sorry internet's down what if they just put a faraday cage around the white house toilet i think we'd have much better lives right now (laughs) on that happy note um we've got to close on a grump excellent so hey thanks so much for coming on man hey thanks for having me i had fun so there you have it the great Brian Schulmeister, partner to Jason DeFilippo, who's been on the show a couple times. Be sure to check them out on Grumpy Old Geeks in your favorite podcast player or go to GOG.show. It's one of my favorite podcasts and I know you're going to love it too.